Hi, this is Millie, and you're listening to the Escaping Narcissistic Parents podcast, where you'll find the validation and love you've been looking for. Welcome to my new listeners, and thanks to my loyal friends. Please follow me on Instagram at Escaping Narcissistic Mothers, all one word, and I will put all this in the show notes. I hope you're all doing well. Um, so today's podcast is back by popular demand. I'm going to ha- make a podcast with my husband, David. Hello. <laughs> you can say more than hello. Hello there. Okay. Hello there. Okay. So. May I interject? Sure. The proper response to hello there is General Kenobi. For any Star Wars fans out there. Okay. So, it's not a Star Wars podcast. Don't worry. Um, This podcast is going to be about something that has been happening over time. And we decided to talk about it because we joke about it within ourselves. We make jokes about how we've miyagied each other. And that term, for those of you who are... Not in our age group and maybe not from this country. Miyagi, it, it was the from the movie, um, what's the, the name of the movie? God, the Karate Kid. The Karate Kid, um, which is about karate and this kid was bullied and then he gets a, a, um, a trainer, Sensei, right? Who is this guy named Miyagi. <laughs> And he trains him in a very odd way. He trains him by telling him to clean his car, right? The famous wax on, wax off. And it actually trains his arms to defend himself. Like if he's going to get hit, he he automatically knows what to do with his arms because he's been training. It's important to know that this is a Hollywood movie. It's a Hollywood movie. (laughs) So it's obviously not <laughs> I don't think that how would it work. would work. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because I've washed my car a whole bunch of times. But but I'm... I just want to explain what <laughs> Miyagi means. Um, so, and really what it, what saying Miyagi means with us is we've said things so many times to each other that we have by osmosis somehow just caught on. And it's it's both ways. Like I'm Miyagi David with all of the narcissism stuff. Like he sees narcissism in things very easily now. He can see what the traits are. Um, he can see, you know, he just notices it. And even with his own family, he can notice narcissism and, and narcissistic traits and to- toxicity. And with me, it's something that's very annoying because whenever we watch a movie or a TV show together, he used to tell me what was going to happen before it happened, and he hadn't seen it. He just knew instinctively that something was going to happen next, and that would upset me. I'm like, well, well, keep it to yourself. But he's done it so much that now I'm the one who can see things happen and I'm not always right, and he's not always right, but there's this 
sixth sense now that I get by watching. I can see things, and now I'm like, okay, so now movies, some movies are ruined for me because I can notice things. If you pay attention to a movie, and if you're just watching for entertainment, then you may not notice. If you really scrutinize it or think about it, every single thing is foreshadowed. And if it's a good film, not a movie, even a good movie, but any film will not waste a moment of film. Everything is important. If they show something, it's going to come back later. And that's that's one of the biggest things that has changed for me watching a movie is like when they show something that looks not important, like a vase or a watch, and they just focus on it for a second, I'm like, oh, that's that watch is going to be later, it's going to be important later. So I have my eye out for the watch. But it's also stuff that they don't show that now I'm Miyagi to notice. Like, we we started watching um, the HBO series Servant, which I recommend, but you have to have patience with the show. We're in season three, and... I would recommend you binge it. Yeah, because they're wait only till 30 it's minutes. over. Wait till it's over. Yeah, they're not long enough, and not enough happens, but over a season, it's a large arc of and a story. But... Now, we watched season one and two, we we watch back to back like we binged. Yeah. But we've caught up in it's season three, so we have to wait till Friday to watch the next episode. It's harder to watch. It, it's very hard. The episodes by themselves don't mean anything. It really is a puzzle. Yeah. Season one and two felt like a movie. This feels like a TV show. There's not enough happening per episode. No. No. Not for the but week. there we know that there is stuff happening. We know that what we're watching is important. We just don't know why it's important and that's what's frustrating. But I still like it. It's oh. really good. Yeah. It's it's re- it's 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 a concept that I haven't seen before. Um and we're not really sure if it's supernatural or what the situation is, which is really good. It's like, okay, good, great. Here's something we can sink our teeth into and not really kind of know, oh, it's, 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 it's supernatural. I mean, we assume it is, but we don't know. Uh, probably, but I'm not but sure. But there was a scene in, or not a scene, I guess one of the episodes in season one, where I would say I was using my Miyagi skills, but I was wrong. I was wrong. It ended up wrong, but... I think my my husband was impressed by the fact that I I saw something that I would normally not see, and that and it was something that um how can I say you know those those movies where there's a twist ending well I kind of saw a twist but the twist ended what I saw as a twist didn't end up happening it looked like we were watching from the point of view of one person, right? From the point of view of the husband. And mm-hmm. what? And I said to him... Don't give too much away. No, I'm not. What we're seeing... I'm not going to give away the, the plot or anything, but I said what we're seeing may actually be wrong. It, because we are seeing from his point of view... His it point, seemed he, like he, it. He could be... 
nuts. And we're we're thinking we're watching the truth. And he you know, my husband was like, Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, it's a good point. Well, I must admit that now that you've said, uh, well, years ago that I was ruining movies, and it wasn't my intention because movies have been ruined for me for years. Yeah. I guess I was just spreading You were the love. just putting me into your head at that point. Yeah. But I do it a lot less now because I wasn't enjoying movies because I'm watching it like, he's the bad guy, he's going he's gonna to kill him, or she's going to be doing this. And it wasn't any fun. So now I do it less, and you do it more. You're welcome. Yeah, that's what sucks, because I used to be the person who just watched, took everything at face value, didn't pay attention to the point where I could ruin anything. I would just enjoy it, and now I'm like, oh, I see I see that moment where they focus on that thing, or whatever it is. So now he's totally miyagi me, um, as we make fun by saying that, <laughs> Um, what does Sheldon say with the numbers? That they were pink and... Oh, for any Big Bang Theory fans, there's a part where he goes with Raj to look at the... To help him with the telescope, but he's all all he's doing is bothering Raj. So Raj gives him a huge string of numbers to look through, thinking it'll take him hours, and Sheldon's like, got it, I found a pair. And he says, how can you find it so quickly? He says, do you know how primes are red and double primes are pink and smell like gasoline? <laughs> right so uh, i now see the pink numbers that smell like gasoline per se you know i've always picked out patterns and things that are wrong like jerry seinfeld has a famous well i don't know how famous it is but i've read it a bunch of times or seen it in different places where he says i don't care about continuity as long as it's funny right mm-hmm. but um Continuity is important in a movie, and when I see something that's not right, a clock has moved, or a hairstyle's changed, or it's obviously a stand-in or something, they just, a bad editing job, it's just, it's a giant red arrow that, it's flashing on the screen, I can't help but see it. I'm doing better at not seeing it, and I'm enjoying movies better now. That's good, that's good. Speaking of continuity things, it's something that I really didn't notice a lot when I watched a movie or TV show because I just didn't. Um, I think that David has ADD. I honestly do. I mean, it was a joke at one point, but now I think he really does because people with ADD notice that stuff we're not supposed to notice, the stuff in the background. Well, I'm glad it's in alphabetical order because that would have bothered me if it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Hence, um, my one of my problems. Yeah, I mean, he he is he has you know issues <laughs> with. I wouldn't say he needs everything to be in a right angle on a desk. I but, do enjoy that. But it's close, you know. Um. So I I forgot what I was I was thinking what I was going to say next about um. The How? ADD and, and continuity errors. like Is it friends? No, no. Because they no. are so bad with he, he's their editing. Constantly, oh, my God. Oh my, I, he's constantly <laughs> making me stop and rewind so I can well, see the... Well, I want to make sure I'm not going crazy. No, but you're did not. Did I really see that? 
Yeah, but is that I, really not Rachel? But we're not supposed to notice. We're not supposed to notice those things. And now I remember what I was going to say. I was watching that TV show, that show on Netflix about the mind and how the mind works. Mm. And one of them was related to this a little bit where it talks about focus and how they say that we don't focus enough now. But that's not the case, by the way. It's proven that the internet and just having things at our fingertips does not mess with our focus. And that the brain can only do one thing at a time, in case anyone ever says that the job requires you to multitask. You can do things quickly, switching back and forth, but you can't do more than one thing at a time, physically or mentally. It's impossible. You can just switch back and forth. But anyway, one of the tests they did to us was they they showed a video of someone jumping on a trampoline in a gym and told us to count. And I was focusing on that person, and I was like, one, two. Like, I was really, really into it. And they're like, well, he jumped 11 times, and I was so proud of myself, I got 11. But It's then, a big number. Um, you ran out of fingers. <laughs> yeah, very funny. But um, what they showed us later was that there was a gorilla that came onto the screen during that time and left the screen hello a gorilla a freaking gorilla and i didn't notice it and that's what our brains do okay and that's kind of the miyagi situation too between me and him is that the gorilla is there we just don't necessarily see it but but we what's this we stuff it's both of us. It's not just me. No, but that's the kind of stuff that I do notice when I watch movies. Or I see in life. I see little... I don't know. Um, I notice things that are out of place. Right. And I, I would have noticed, most likely noticed that gorilla. I've seen those shows where they have the... They have... It's in a college. We've talked about this. There's a, yeah. a college quad and... All these people are walking through and they stop them and they say, hey, did you notice anything weird? And they're like, no, no, what, are, what, no. And the guy points and there's a clown on a unicycle. It's right. like, yeah, I would notice the clown on a unicycle. Because their brains are just, they're built to not see what we, what is not normal, right? What's, what doesn't fit. <laughs> We're just not trained to see that. Um... But a person, possibly with ADD, or my, just my species, does <laughs> see mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, does notice. Yeah, the soda was here and now it's there, or it the the oh it was Seinfeld. There was an episode where George is in a boardroom and he has his mm-hmm. um, briefcase. Briefcase clothes and in the next scene it's freaking the top part of the briefcase is gone (laughs) and it's not and he didn't open it or anything and he's like wait a minute wait a minute so i mean that was a big continuity error sitcoms are big for that because i think the the time frame in which they have to be made i don't watch soap operas but i bet they are filled with them oh because they they just are on such a well, they schedule. soap operas are filmed every day. Yeah. I mean, I would hate to be a soap opera actor. That sucks. 
Well, I mean, in, they make good money, but the work is terrible. Unless your character gets uh, decapitated, you've got a job for thirty years. And that's pretty good. No, even with decapitation, that's true. I guess it's they can be... bring back anyone. Yeah. Um, okay, so now on to more of what this podcast is about: narcissism, right? Uh, <laughs> the narcissistic family. No, it's not a movie oh, podcast. Right. My bad. Um, so. I talked about the things that I notice now. So what do you notice now that you've been Miyagi'd by me? And I and I have to tell you, he really has been Miyagi'd by me. I would say that it's more... Uh, before... Uh, can we swear on this podcast? No, <laughs> because, I, all right, I don't so th- how, how about this then? Um, do you want me to ever be monetized? I don't know. Because uh, <laughs> if you don't... Then yes, swear, but I'd rather you didn't. Okay, so I guess I'd say we all have um, asshats in our life. I can say that, right? Okay, okay. So uh, I never had a term for them, and their traits and the terms that are used that you use, gray rocking and narcissistic supply, all of those terms. I was ignorant to all of that stuff. They were just ass clowns. Well, now they have names, and they're the the things that they do have terms that someone in the know would understand immediately if you said what they're doing. That's narcissistic all new. supply is a term that's hard to understand. Like flying monkeys. Mm, if, I like you, that one. if you've ever seen The Wizard of Oz, you get why it's called flying monkeys, right? The witch sends out. The monkeys, the flying monkeys. But narcissistic supply, I mean, actually, you asked about that one time specifically. Yeah, there's a good analogy for that. Which is what? Gasoline. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and and that's something that you came up with. Narcissistic supply is the gasoline. Yeah, I heard somebody say that on a a YouTube channel. Oh, okay. I didn't, I I can't take credit for that. They know that I watch a lot of different, um, and I plug them on here only because I think they're so great. Um, If you're not learning more, you might as well give up. Life is all about learning new things. Right, right. Um, And I am. I'm constantly trying to learn more and watch videos. And The world changes. um, You have to keep up. Even something you're not. I mean, at. the narcissist stuff doesn't change as much as there's so much to learn mm. that you have to keep going because you're going to hit that place where you're like, "My God, I never thought of it that way." Um, anyway, so nar- narcissistic supply is the gasoline for the narcissist. Okay, and the weird thing is, it's that what 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 have you learned? David, what have I miyagi'd you to be narcissistic supply? Specific examples. Oh, put me on the spot. Sorry. Um, I have none. What? <laughs> I have none. You have no, no examples? I can't think of one. Not right now. Okay. Um, G- give in, me a hint. Lead me there. Because uh, I'm sure. If, I just... if, if the narcissist is provoking you to fight. Oh, right? sure. The, yes. Okay. So what would be the supply there? What are they looking for? Your what? anger. The right, response, the the emotional response, mm-hmm. whether it's positive or negative, yeah, and that's hard for people to understand. That's why I kind of brought it up. Because, yeah, it is because because before you just think, oh, this person they have must have some goal to win this fight. They must be gaining something from this fight 
that that you can put your finger on, but really it's not. It's, it, it's it doesn't have to be. What they want is the attention that they mm-hmm. get from you getting angry. Right, right. They right. like your anger. They like you to fight with them so that they can look like the victim. You see, look, look how violent they are. Mm-hmm. Look, look, look how awful they are. They're that's so a, awful. Look, oh poor me. And you know, that's a that's tough called, pill to swallow. What is that called? Do you remember? Did I not Miyagi this to you? I don't. Well, you also have to remember that my memory is like a sieve. Okay, it's I remember reactive what, abuse. Yeah, reactive I don't remember that. Abuse. I don't remember that. That's a big one. Um, I, I remember when World War One ended, though. Mm. So the terms—that's one thing that you definitely have learned now. That you definitely have heard a lot. Yeah, I don't know all of them. I—I I mean, I'm not you. Um, but at the same time, no. I would say if your average person knows three on a scale of one to ten about narcissistic narcissists, I probably have a, I'm probably a five, which is above average. I think you probably know more than you think as far as terms goes. Maybe. Um, but I didn't know I there was have... going to be a quiz. I'm not quizzing you. <laughs> I know I'm not that. Quizzing you. I know. I'm kidding. Um, narcissistic terms you know what an enabler is right right? yeah the enabling father in my case people say that but i don't know if they always mean it it in that in the narcissistic no an enabler can enable it can be anything Mm -hmm. it's used a lot with um alcohol substance abuse where there's an enabler so yeah but the enabling father in a narcissistic situation where the mother's a narcissist Mm mm-hmm um flying monkeys like i said before there's there are a lot of terms you know there's the golden child and the scapegoat and you know we are the scapegoats anyone listening to this we are the scapegoats right but the the go back a minute though Mm. about the um the supply part yeah i don't for me and i'm assuming i'm a regular the average person listening to this, you know, or uh, I don't know the right term, but that's the hardest part for me to accept. That that doesn't make sense to me. That, right. That right that they would do that for the only purpose to have an argument with you is to get a reaction out of you. It, I, I, it's they get some evil satisfaction from it. Actually, it's right. it's it's. They feel so good, yeah. you know. It's like that's the hardest part for me to meal. accept. Yeah, you know. And I think maybe that's for a lot of people. It's not just you, that's right? What I was and and say. I think that when it's someone that like supposed to supposed to care about you is doing this to you, right? It's hard for you or society to accept that that's the case. That's really the hardest part to accept, that someone who is supposed to love you Mm -hmm. is purposely hurting you. And I say that, and every time I say it or I put it in a post on Instagram, I know that people are going to push back on it. And that's okay. You don't have to believe me now, because you will believe me later. When you figure out that that person is not going to change and what they're doing is on purpose. It breaks if, societal norms. Well, because society was built at a time where narcissistic traits 
or or current society, narcissistic traits were a good thing, even for parenting, and especially in like, how can I say, in communities like in the Latin community, it comes up over and over again for me in the Latin community, right? I happen to be Cuban. But in, in all Latin communities, mothers being this way with their children is what is expected of them. Do you think that, and me being, I like history, do you think that there, and this is not necessarily history, this is also science, but is there an evolutionary, is it evolutionary to be narcissistic? Did that help us survive at some period in history? Being selfish or needing that to feel good for others' discomfort? Look, I don't know how. We are beings that need to belong. Right? That's true. We, we need to belong to a group. Loners didn't survive 10,000 years ago. Right. So, narcissism, I'm not going to say is a came out as an evolutionary thing, but more as being in a group and there was that jerk that nobody mm -hmm. liked but that person came out on top over the other people in the group and they're followed and, and that still happens with what monkeys right well I, sometimes to be a leader you have to do things that are despicable and if you are able to do it easily that may bring you to a position of power that is true but that's not always the case, right? No. To be a leader. Now, no, no, not at all. Now, without a doubt, there are many, 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 many narcissists that are in leadership positions, positions of power. And I can go through it. Even on a Thera small scale. What do you mean? Principles. Well, no. Small, like, you don't have to be a leader of a country or a huge corporation. No, no. I was going to, my first mm -hmm. example is even smaller than a principle. It's mm -hmm. therapists. Mm -hmm. How many followers do I have whose mother is a therapist? Scary, scary thought. That's why you have to be so careful when you that choose a. That would be devastating. Yeah. You have to choose a therapist carefully. And because we're empathic, we can feel it very quickly. And I, mm -hmm. and. I've talked, I'm not going to go into my own therapy experience, but you follow your gut when it comes to picking a therapist, please. Because if, if your gut is saying something's not right here, you're probably right. Because that's one that I get a lot. My mom's a therapist and she's nurse, a narcissist. Um, just a manager of any position, of any place. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any any group of people, even in a social setting. Yeah, it, it, in a social setting, it's the narcissist is obvious in a social setting. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the covert, the overt narcissist, right, right. the the outgoing, my cut, like my cousin, <gasps> my mother's nephew. Uh, guys, go back and re and uh, listen to my podcast about my father, and you'll know who I'm talking about. But yeah, my mother's nephew is the overt narcissist, right? He walks into a room and, all eyes on me, please. You know, he doesn't literally say that, but he might as well because that's how he behaves. Mm -hmm. And he's... Loud. Yeah, loud. He sucks the air right out of a room to the point where I was just... He says the dumbest things confidently. 
That's that's the thing about them. They they don't know anything about anything a lot of times, and then they but they're so confident, and and you just you can't even argue with them because they will die arguing their point because they have I, to be right. One of my favorite quotes is "Don't argue with the stupid because they'll bring you down to their level and beat you with experience." Right, exactly, and that's my cousin to a T because he's not smart. I mean, none of the narcissists, I guess I got lucky in that sense, none, none of the narcissists in my mother's side of the family um, are smart. Well, none of them. They're all not smart people, including my mom. My mom did things that just, it was just like, what the hell are you saying, woman? <laughs> because it's, you know, a smart, you, you have a narcissist who's very educated, and that's dangerous because they can freaking twist your mind and you really don't know it because what they say makes sense my mother said things that just didn't make any sense so um moving on moving on from that oh back to movies well you have (laughs) personal experience do i with nor toxicity and narcissism well i did come from a family Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> but not every not every family is is full of narcissists. No, but they all have at least a toxic person. A- every family has problems, but sure. not every family has a narcissist necessarily. No. There's just a person usually that you know. Some I families are more quote unquote normal, and well, you speak of your your experience. Well. I don't want to give anything away and say that my female sibling, I don't want to actually say that it's my sister, mm-hmm. right? But it's not my sister, it's my female sibling. Um, for years, I just thought she was the ass clown, right? Uh, when she would come back from a grocery store, everyone was a jerk. They're so Everyone is so rude. And, you know, anytime you said anything, it was against her right it was always that's okay so the grocery store thing that's entitlement yeah she felt like she was entitled to all the space in the store she definitely needed space okay so that's entitlement um what was the second thing you said i'm sorry my brain is not working well today i don't really remember i'm just kidding um everything was about her Right, all of the arguments, you know, like... Oh, no, that she, nothing was her fault. That she, right, she would, would victimize it herself. Tr- she turned it around. Right, Vict- around. She, she victimized herself. Yeah, um, keep in mind that she's 16 years older than me. And we had these discussions when she would... I mean, not discuss. I, I was trying to be polite. Discussions. Mm. We had these knockdown, drag-out fights, and some of them became physical. Right. Now, she's 15 years older than me. And some of these right. happened before I was a teenager. What does that tell you? It, yeah, I mean, she was a bully. There's no other way to put it. And she, I, I started, you know, because I actually was fooled by her too. Even, mm-hmm. And this happened after I went no contact with my mother. I kind of chose her as my adoptive, quote unquote, mother but I chose the wrong person because she's toxic. She's very toxic. Um, I, I will give her one prop. Mm-hmm. That is, because of all the arguments we had when we were when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I contribute a lot of my 
forked tongue quick wit to have so him to keep up with her. That's a, your coping mechanism was to learn how to fight back with 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 wit. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that is a good thing I guess, but it's a coping mechanism. That's sure. what you did to cope with her. Oh, well, it also And I've asked you this before, but did your mom interfere ever? Yeah. She did. She'd always yell at us and say to stop fighting. Yell at both of you. Did she point out, you know? Um, I think, if I remember right, yeah, because my sister was... Sorry, my female sibling was older. Yeah. My my half-female sibling. Well, (laughs) she did... I mean, David, you told me a few stories of when you were smaller. Like, Uh a lot smaller. Yeah. Like, three years old. Oh, yeah. I used to like to... You know, okay, so this was the 70s. So my sister was born too late. She should have been a hippie. Or she was, yeah, she should have been in her 20s in the 60s, not mm-hmm. in the 70s, right? Right. Um, but, uh, so she had the the wind chimes and the, she took the door off of her room and it was the, the beaded, um, you know, like the... Yeah, the beads, the, right? the beads or, that right, right. hung down like a curtain. Yeah, and so we're from, this is Connecticut, on the shoreline. And so it was very, um, a lot of boating, marinas, that sort of thing. Do you remember the old buoys? They were made of glass. So they were very pretty. They were yellow, uh, green and blue. And they, she had a net mm-hmm. hanging from her ceiling. And those were inside of it. Oh, and so I used to be cool. like, you know, like if everybody watches The Mandalorian, I felt like, you know, Baby Yoda, ooh, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to touch him, but I was too small. So I would always go in a room and inevitably, you know, I'd knock something over or whatever. And she didn't know how to handle that. So she would yell at me and, you know. Okay, so, I mean, obviously. I get that. But, you know, there's other ways, you know, maybe not, you know, yeah, I yell mean, you so know, much. When you're a parent. That's how you treat your three-year-old child. And that's how she should have seen you, considering the fact that she could have been your mother. Um, being Well, she could have been your mother. It's yeah, 16 years older. Oh, no, that's true. That's not the story I was thinking of, though. There's oh. another story that uh, always hurts when you tell me. I don't know what it is. When she destroyed something that you really loved. My blankie? Your blankie. Well, that was, that was some of the... Yeah, well, I got... It was because that she, I would go in her room, and I, and oh, if I knock something over or whatever. But that's an that's an important behavior. Mm-hmm. So tell so. Say I don't what. really. I only remember bits and pieces. Okay. But, so. And that's that's how the blankie ended up too. Yeah. Because <laughs> she took it in her mouth, and she you know bit in and pulled it apart, and she ripped ripped the blankie. Okay. So any of you that have children, or you might have had I I had a blankie. Um, that is one of the most horrific things you can do to a child is take their comfort because that's what a blankie is. It's a source of comfort when they're upset. That's what they reach for. Take it in her mouth and rip it apart. I think that was the day when, when David told me that story that I realized what a horrible person she really was. That she could do that. That she had the heart to do that. Most of us, even if we were angry. But how how angry could you get at a three-year-old or a whatever, four-year-old? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would say, well, so 
she moved out when she was 18. So maybe that's what my mom told me, or that's the story I remember, but we know what my mom said is... is that's that's another yeah vague shadows of the truth right that's just that generation of parents that they lied about everything they did wrong yeah until david has a story about that too but we're not going to talk about that today because that's not really relevant no but i I will say that um until a few years ago we didn't realize we were half siblings Mm -hmm. thank you ancestry.com Think, well, it it, it it let's go back. It it, it ha- we took the DNA test because I found out I had three brothers I had didn't know I had, and that's how I realized or had to admit to myself mm-hmm. that my family was really messed up. And we did the DNA yep. test, and and I David, needed an excuse to take one because I've always wanted to. David's the one that found out something important during that DNA test, but. Again, we're not talking about that. We're we're talking. We're going to go back to the the things that now you realize were toxic mm-hmm. about your sister. I would like to say one other thing mm-hmm. about my sister. And you had said that. Um, sorry, my uh, female sibling. So you had mentioned that you were lucky that none of the people in your family were very the narcissists were very intelligent. Yeah, no. So no. <laughs> I used to like trains Mm -hmm. from our backyard there was a you could see i don't know i'm remembering as a as a little kid but 500 yards away in the behind the house there was a train track that went by and every time there was a train i would run out there and i would i would i just love trains there was the essex railroad that was an old steam engine we used to go on and I I always wanted um, electric trains, even when I was a little kid, tiny kid, like before my parents got divorced. And they used to get me the battery-powered ones. And every year I was a little disappointed because there wasn't a true electric train. So one year I was probably four or five, which is probably too young to have it, they got me an electric train, the larger ones, right? And in it was a flat car that had like plastic logs. And you had like a model kit, you had to pull the little pieces off that would that would go that would stick down into holes that would hold the logs onto the flat car mm-hmm. and so my sister who at times was very caring like she took me to show and tell right it was very the duality there right well that's what narcissists yeah. do so they're not bad a hundred percent of right. the time or no one would talk to them there's a cycle mm-hmm. of abuse and love bombing well there's another one um another term so you had the twist those little things off and stick them into the holes of the flat car so it would keep the logs from rolling off, right? Mm-hmm. So my sisters helped me put this thing together because, again, I'm like four, maybe five, I don't know, really young. And um, so I'm twisting them off and she goes, oh, it'll be faster to cut them. I'm like, no, don't cut them. Snip, 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 snip. She clipped off the part uh, that goes into the flat car. Oh. So at four years old, I'm like, okay, so I'm smarter than my sister. So that's what Yeah, I, but that might have been done on purpose. I don't think so. I really don't. I think she was honestly surprised. And I really, you know, she's not... Yeah, sometimes. I don't know. I, I'm... I, it's possible. But going by history of, like, I remember... Okay, so I used to antagonize her on purpose be, when I was older. When I realized that, you know... Well, you were... Too, I was again, trying... Again, that's coping. Yeah. You were, you I was were being... Retaliating. I was being the ass clown. I remember... And I used to like to... 
this sounds bad, but make fun of the fact that she didn't know stuff. Right? Well, you were you were attacking what you could, mm-hmm. right? You found you found her weak spot. So I was recording Return of the Jedi, third Star Wars reference, by the way. In this non-Star Wars podcast. I was recording Return of the Jedi. People, this is my life. This is not just a podcast. <laughs> he has to say Star Wars at least five times a day to me. All right, go Sometimes ahead. Sometimes I say Led Zeppelin. All right, go ahead. So, I'm recording it on a VCR. Yes. That old. VHS. Yep. Yes. And my sister is vi- coming to... She's pulls in the driveway to visit, you know, my mom and I. Or my mom, let's be honest. And as she walks in the door, she's like, hey, I'm here. I'm like, shh, I'm recording. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's a VCR. <laughs> okay? We had an argument one time. That's uh, hilarious. Yeah, because I was a jerk. And I loved it. Because I smiled ear to ear like, oh, got one over on her. She's such a dumbass. That's right? hilarious. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't I don't think I ever told you. I just, it just came to me when we were talking. Yeah. But you do know about the phone receiver. Record, cordless phones, going back oh, again. Oh my god! Cordless yeah. phones, right? For anyone who's too young to remember cordless phones, you know it has a base plugged into the wall, plugged into the phone jack, and a handset that charges. On that, you pull it off, and it receives a signal from an antenna. Right? You walk all over your house. So my sister's like, "Why doesn't my phone work? My cordless phone work when the power's out?" I said, "Because it's plugged into the wall. It's just a handset." Right, but it has a battery in it. I said, yes, the handset has a battery in it. But no, it's plugged into the wall. You know, I mean, it has a battery. I understand it's plugged into the wall, but it has a battery. The battery only runs a handset. Back and forth and back and forth. It, yeah, uh, it, it's funny how some narcissists just are dumb. As a bag of rocks. I mean, they're just dumb. They're yeah. Just so dumb. Um, just to, one thing I noticed... <laughs> She, we were talking. Her son had gotten, God bless him, by the way. Good kid. He is as seemingly. I, Seeming, yeah. Seemingly to us, he's very quiet. He's not a and, talker, no. And he seems like a good kid, and I really hope that he's empathic, and, and he, that's because of his upbringing. He did but move out first first opportunity. He did. He moved, but he was in his, he was 26. Yeah. Um, not that... Nothing wrong with that, but it seemed like his life was as separate as it could be from his mother, and even when he was living with her. But anyway, she's telling us a story of what he got his first job, and oh, it's your first job. What the hell do you know about HR stuff when right. when you get your first job? I didn't. First, yeah, his first like um, office real, job, real real job. job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so since he didn't know, she called the HR people from that company and started asking questions and on his behalf you don't do that that is that's not even a helicopter mom that is that's just crossing all sorts of boundaries because he's he was an adult already at this point and she was calling mommy was calling hr that's humiliating so you know i started to see a few toxic mm-hmm. things with her now just to, because uh, I want to, we can't talk forever. Um, when I met David, David hadn't spoke to his sister in years. It, yeah, it had been a long time. Years? I, say, I don't know how long it had been. Maybe five? See. I think the last time I spoke to her 
before we met was probably 2000 and... When your mom two, passed? Right, 2004. So, okay, so But I before to... that, we were not talking a great deal, but yeah, 2004. So there was that one period and then... Yeah. So it had been two... We met in 2006, so it had been two years, and then before that, there had been years. Big gaps. I was naive okay that's the you best were, way you have a, a big heart well i i had the same mentality as a lot of people that family's family and that you you shouldn't fight and not be in contact and because it really was the only person you had left in your family you know who was blood related to you so i found her by the way i'm really good at finding people and finding information about people on the internet oh together we would make the perfect detective tv show couple i've thought about like doing detective work because i just love doing it it's so hard to get your license here though and it takes forever it's no and the practice like 300 hours yeah it's ridiculous florida where they let you do anything yeah nope but not that yeah okay well (laughs) to keep going with the story so i found her and we got in touch with her and we were going to new york in 2009 and we even went and visited we drove to connecticut we rented a car went to connecticut spent the day with her whatever then she stopped talking to us again for no reason there was no reason she just spoke for a few months maybe a little bit longer and then all of a sudden just she just stonewalled us and Mm -hmm. that's a typical narcissist move right they punish you for something so i don't know what it was that we did nothing i mean to my Knowledge, we did nothing. I have no idea. And then she was too scared to get back in touch with us and got her cousin to contact me through Facebook. And I was like, yeah, of course. So we got in touch again. And that's when we ended up going um, to Connecticut for Thanksgiving in 2018. Yeah, we And we surprised her. Right, that was a good trip, though. That was fun. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Um... And then when I came back, was that me and her had our situation. And it's funny because I just posted about this as a comment on someone else's page. um, Because the reason that that I got angry at her was because we were talking and I was talking about my mom. The issue with my mom had was recent still. It was still very recent. It was the beginning of 2000... um, well, that was 2008. It was an as it was like a year and a half, but it was still there. I still talk about it. You have to. That's part of the healing process. And she said to me, "Get over it already." She has this really annoying voice. I can't really imitate it, but it's bad. And I got really upset with her. I was like, "I'm done." And that's not the first time she had screamed at me. So that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I told I told my husband I said I'm really pissed and I and I told her I'm I'm a I don't want to talk to you because I just I I'm angry you screamed at me. Um, I tried because again I hadn't learned my lesson. Let's just put it this way: I'm grateful for her experience because the experience with her had taught me. That you can only go so far and then you have to stop and say good freaking riddance. Bye-bye. So 
um, we it went back and forth a few times, and my husband got involved, and he's on the phone with her, and she starts the fake crying. I'm I'm always the villain of my own story. And I remember screaming to her that maybe you shouldn't be a villain. You know, I mean, that's an issue. But what she was trying was to play the victim. Um, so fast forward to a few months ago, right? Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. What happened? It's what happened. What, what, what happened to your sister? You tell that part. Oh, you mean, oh, yeah. She had a stroke. She had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And her son, so David's nephew, was the one who told him. Right, right. And we stayed in... I always tried to stay in contact with with her son, my nephew. Um, Even when... Because of the last... Well, I always remember his birthday is is on, uh, we'll say, a a national holiday, in a sense. And so I tried to call him on that. And that was the last time I I tried to communicate with her because I never got a call back. Right. But in present time, um, yeah, even that communication has started to slow. Like, to he hasn't contacted me in months. Of course, because he st- he still has no idea that mm-hmm. his mother is toxic. I think this will come <clears throat> with time, um, and he might even run into my podcast, or you know, who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure if he, you know, he speaks so infrequently that it's hard to know exactly he likes football marvel star wars there's another reference and um he plays some like video games but other than that i I don't would really know a lot about him yeah it's hard he's he's not he's not very open he doesn't know us that well but no so she had a stroke so i was communicating with the cousin Mm -hmm. okay with her cousin and um so we communicated for days. I mean, we were we even talked on the phone and we were talking on text and the last like the day that she was coming home from the hospital, the cousin texted me and said, "Let's keep this a secret that we were texting." And I mm-hmm. said, "My response immediately. Now I'm getting much better at seeing toxicity, seeing now I know that his sister was smearing me to everyone in Connecticut. Um, I said to her, you have nothing to worry about. You will never hear from me again. And I blocked her and delete. I think I, I deleted her contact. I'm not even. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I deleted her contact altogether. Um, and David got really upset. He's like, no, that didn't happen. And I'm like, look at the text. <laughs> um, so he called his cousin. Mm-hmm. He called her, mm-hmm. and what happened? What was the conversation? Because that was an interesting conversation. I don't remember it word for word, of course, but I really, I don't remember a lot of it other than um, I gave her, I told her, I used the um, Yoramiyagi-ing to explain to her. He tried telling the cousin, explaining to her, because the cousin clearly gets, she's like, yeah, We've been in fights before, me and, and your sister. We've mm-hmm. been in fights before, and she's horrible, and she always has to be right. And David said, then why are you still so close to her? And I think in her case, it's just she doesn't have a big 
She was never. She doesn't have a social circle no. at all. One of her her older sibling is sort of he as soon as he he got out of there as soon as he could, and then her younger ones don't live near her, and they weren't that close either, and. She was all ever since they were kids. She was close to my sister. Right. They're almost the same age. I mean, they went to the same schools. They, you know, they were close. And I just I want to add that his sister always spoke badly of this cousin. Always. All I knew was how what a bad person the cousin was, and it's not the cousin. Obviously, no. And quite- I'm not saying the cousin doesn't have her faults, but. No. It's not her. It, it, it's obviously David's sister who's the problem. My cousin has always been, and my cousin and a couple of her siblings have always been the family's punching bags as far as... Which is not right. No. That's who, that's who me and my audience are. We are the scapegoats. We are the family's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the butt of the joke. I mean, that's who we are. That's why we listen. That That's why we're here. We're not even talking about my toxic aunts and uncles. Yeah, we can get into that. No, but they're, that's another one where the Miyagi has come in and be like, oh, right. that explains so much. Right. He's <laughs> kind of understood the whole dysfunctional family dynamic. Uh-huh. But um, so he spoke to his cousin and that's it. We pretty much don't know anything else. I think that was... That was the end of it, unfortunately. Um, when I was, when I moved out of Connecticut, so just to make it, just to make it easy, um, my mom was the oldest of eight, and so I was the age of the second cousins. Right? So I, um, I didn't really speak to a lot of my family. My sister... And nephew, that was about it. And cousins when I would visit. But other than that, they never called me on the phone, never wished me happy birthday, never got cards from them or anything. So it wasn't a big loss for me. And that's how I look at it with my sister as well. Because uh, bad you can do on your own. You don't need help from your family. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's unfortunate because it is your only sibling, even if she's your half-sibling, as it turns out, mm-hmm. um, that we have to, that there's no contact to be had there. And there were times when we were close. Like, I would see her a few times a week when we lived a few miles from each other. But just being close doesn't mean that it was, it still wasn't toxic. No, no, but I mean, there were times when we were actually getting along. There were times when we weren't fighting like cats and dogs. But that doesn't, I mean, like I said, with with someone who's toxic, they will go back to toxicity. Oh, I'm not excusing it. Yeah. I'm just giving, you know, background. Now, I, I want to I add one little thing, and then we're going to end the podcast. Um, the one person we haven't spoken about here is probably the person who's responsible for the sister toxicity is her father, but not David's father, biologically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he is the dad he thought I mean they have the same name he thought this was his dad yeah. it turns out biologically he's not his dad but he, this man he is, was very toxic had very strange habits oh yeah okay 
he was not a good guy. And I think that your sister got a lot of the toxicity from him. I would say that if you were to go to the town you grew up in and mention his name, it'd be like the red carpet came out. Right. And that's a narcissist to a T. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it was. And the fact that you were named after him and your mom knew that you weren't his proves it. Like, I always wonder how much abuse she had taken from him. You know? Mm. If he was a big shot, then she had to fall into place. And if she tried to speak out about him, nobody was going to believe her. That's the whole dynamic with the narcissist spouse or, um, you know, romantic partner. That's what happens. Um, so we're going to, I want to end it there because there's a lot here. As you can see, I Miyagi'd him and now he, you know, he sees a lot of the toxicity going back to the aunts and uncles Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. and there's so many. Yeah. Um, yes, but we have to end it here because we can't talk forever. Um, but you know, I hope you guys got something out of it. Um, and I hope you guys are doing well. And I, I just have one last thing to say. Empress Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars movie. Okay. I love you guys. <laughs> and until next time.